Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the first Sunday after Christmas. It's also New Year's Day and our order of service is in our bulletins. We're going to begin right now with hymn number 41, Let All Together Praise Our God. Confess your sins of thought, word, and deed. 
Are you sorry for your sins? Do you look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness? And with the Holy Spirit's help, do you want to correct your sinful life? Then declare so by saying yes. Yes. Upon this confession, I as a called servant of the word announce to you God's grace and the forgiveness of sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our epistle reading for this first Sunday after Christmas is from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, where the Apostle Paul just reminds us that God sent his Son to be our Savior so that we could be sons or children of God. But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Alleluia. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Alleluia. Alleluia. Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 15 and, and 19 to 23. This reading tells us of the tragic thing that happened in Bethlehem following the wise men's worship of the infant Jesus when Herod, to try to get rid of Jesus, killed all the baby boys in the area of Bethlehem. But of course, even as that happened, remember God was in control and God was taking care of his people. When they, the wise men, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who, are try who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. We'll continue with our next hymn, hymn number 61, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Mm -hmm. 
Sunday after Christmas is our Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 63 verses 7 to 9 where Isaiah writes I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord the deeds for which he is to be praised according to all the Lord has done for us yes the many good things he has done for the house of Israel according to his compassion and many kindnesses he said, Surely they are my people, sons who will not be false to me. And so he became their savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow benefactors of the Lord's kindnesses, there was an elderly gentleman who would walk around carrying an oil can. Always had the oil can with him, and whenever he'd hear a door that was squeaking, he'd go over there and put a drip of oil on it. And if he'd come to a gate that was hard to open, well, he'd put a drip of oil on that as well. And really, that was kind of the story of his life. It's what he was known through for. He went walking around looking to put drips of oil here and there where there was squeaking, where there was grating. He kept on doing that. Because of that, people looked at him and they 
thought of him as being eccentric or strange or weird, odd, used other degrading terms to talk about him. But he was always, well, carrying that can of oil along with him. And he was always, well, once it emptied, he'd fill it up. And, and it wasn't that when he found a squeaking door, a squeaking gate, or anything like that, it's not that then he had to run home to get the oil can. He always had it with him, always ready to, to oil different surfaces like that. And now if you think about that, there are many lives that creak and grate because of the trials and troubles that we face in this life. And they need lubricating with the oil of kindness. And that is what Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah is talking about in our reading for today. The kindnesses of our God. The kindnesses of the Lord. And from our reading today, the prophet Isaiah, from him we shall see that the kindnesses of our Lord, they are deeds for which he is to be praised, deeds done in compassion, and deeds delivering us from distress. The prophet Isaiah served the southern kingdom of Judah about 700 years before the Babylonian captivity began, about a hundred well, a hundred years before the Babylonian captivity, 700 years before Jesus came. He prophesied the coming of that Babylonian captivity in Isaiah chapter 39. He said, Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your fathers have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. But then Isaiah chapters 40 to 66, the second portion of his book, the portion of the book of Isaiah to which our reading for today belongs, it's written as if that captivity had already began and as if it was drawing to a close. So Isaiah, who generally you could say in his book was condemning Israel for its idolatrous ways, for its rebellion against God. At least that's what he was doing in the beginning of his book. Now he's comforting those remaining believers in the land, comforting them with the promises of the gospel, with the future glory that was ahead when the Savior would come and, and ultimately would take believers home to heaven. Well, Isaiah said, I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised. According to all the Lord has done for us, yes, the many good things he has done for the house of Israel. Isaiah is speaking here, but really, if you think about it, any Old Testament believer could be saying the exact same words or similar words. God had done many kind things for his people. And Isaiah is going to talk about those kindnesses of the Lord. He would talk about those kindnesses of the Lord to himself. First, we could say, Martin Luther, he said, 
In all of Scripture, however, it is customary for all the saints and prophets to console themselves in times of trial by recalling past benefits. For those, for their own consolation, they always repeat the past blessings. When a Christian is experiencing difficult times, as the Israelites were at the time of our reading, it's, it's easy to feel overwhelmed and be led to feeling despair and depression. That's a good time for us to remember the kindnesses of our Lord, the things that God has done for us in the past, rather than dwelling on, oh, the problems and troubles that we're facing, the devil's temptations to despair and depression. But believers don't just talk to themselves about the kindnesses of their Lord. We talk about the kindnesses of our Lord to our fellow believers as well. Reminding them of God's great deeds in the past can be such an encouragement for our fellow believers because our fellow believers like us are going to have those times when we're like that squeaky door, the grating gate that won't open. We'll have our times like that and we'll need the oil of kindness from our God. And finally, we'll also talk about God's great deeds, his kindnesses to unbelievers so that oh, we might lead them to see the great deeds that God has done for them and for their salvation. But now, what are the kindnesses of the Lord? When Isaiah writes this primarily, he seems to have in mind, oh, the things that happened back in the day of Moses. How God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. How God divided the Red Sea so the Israelites could walk across on dry ground. And we can also think of all of the other things that God did for his Old Testament people. Oh, he enabled them to conquer the land of Palestine. We can think of the deeds of the judges in the Old Testament times, the conquests of King David, the miracles of Elijah and, and Elijah. And in prophecy, we can think about the deliverance from the Babylonian captivity. We can think about all of those different things, but most importantly, when we think about the kindnesses of the Lord, Isaiah could recall, look ahead to God's greatest kindness by remembering his promise of the Savior that was fulfilled 700 years later after Isaiah wrote this, when Christ was born in Bethlehem. Likewise, what we'll want to do is recall for ourselves the kindnesses of our Lord. That's why it's so important for us to study Bible history, to study Bible history and see all of the great things that our God has done so that we aren't tempted to say, well, what have you done for me lately? You know, sometimes we can be very quick to forget all of the good things that God does keep on doing for, ourselves, for us. 
It's easy to focus on the trials and the troubles that we're faced with at the moment instead of thinking about all of the blessings we have from our God. But now think about all of the blessings that God has given to you. At Christmas time, maybe we think a bit of the material blessings that God and not Santa Claus gives to us. But of course, we especially think of the Savior, how God gave us his son, how God called us to faith and made us believing children of God, called us to faith perhaps when we were baptized into God's believing family in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, we think of the blessings of his grace and forgiveness and the strengthening of our faith that comes to us through the gospel and through the Lord's Supper. We are so blessed when we keep on remembering the kindnesses of the Lord, of all the deeds that he has done for us that he's going to keep on doing for us. And for those deeds of kindness, what we're going to want to do is keep on praising him for those deeds of kindness. Well, Isaiah says the kindnesses of the Lord, they are done, he says, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. Isaiah knew that God performed his many deeds of kindness for him and, and the other people of Judah. He knew that he performed those deeds of kindness in his compassion, in his grace and love. He knew that he, that no one for that matter, deserves the kindnesses of our God. And it's kind of interesting that the word here for, for, for the kindnesses of our Lord is related to the word for womb or innards or guts, we could say. And now maybe if you think about it, just remember as, as we're inclined, when we're inclined to feel compassion deeply, we feel it in the pit of our stomach. Our stomach is churning when we're feeling that way. And well, so also when we think about our Savior, he aches for us. He feels our pain. And in his grace and mercy, he not only wants to do something for us, he does do something for us. He does help us. The Lord said, surely they are my people, sons who will not be false to me. God had said here, they are my people. When he chose the Israelites to be his special people, his chosen nation, but what does he mean here when he says that God had said about the Israelites, they are sons who will not be false to me? If you look at Israelites' history, the Israelites' history, it's a history of a people who were false to God. Oh, maybe we could think back to, well, in Egypt, how many times did they grumble and complain before they were freed? Then there was the golden calf incident, and well, then, well, the Savior was crucified there by them. The Savior was crucified there by them. So why did 
God say here? Why did Isaiah say here that these people will not be false? And well, the fact is, is that what God had done is he had called them to lives of service to serve him. He had called them and not to be false to him. And well, there were many in Israel, even though oftentimes we concentrate maybe too much on, on all of those who rejected the Savior, yet there were many who did, by the grace of God, believe in Jesus, who weren't false to him, who did follow the Savior. There were many who were faithful to God, and, and that has continued on throughout the history of the church. There are so many and, and multitudes of people who are false to God, but there is that remnant, that small group, which is a many, many people as well that God is reaching out to who are not false to God, who are, by the grace of God, God's believing children. Isaiah said, And so he became their savior. Because of his gracious promises, God kept his word and sent Jesus to be the savior. The, the kindnesses of our Lord, that the kindness of our Lord, that's done in his compassion because of his grace and mercy, not because we or anyone else had earned or deserved it. Now, because we're part of God's believing family, part of God's church by faith in him, well, we're God's people who, as the Lord said here, will not be false to our God. And yet when we say that, maybe we cringe a little bit because we know we have a sinful nature. We know that that sinful nature is a stronger force in us than we'd like it to be. We, we promise to be true to God. We want to remain faithful, but we're often false and fall into sin. But thank God we have Jesus the Savior. And Jesus the Savior, he washes away our falseness. He gives us his trueness, we could say. He gives us his righteousness. So that Isaiah could say here that we are not false to our God. We are his believing children. Isaiah said, in all their distress, the Lord too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. God doesn't regard the distress, well, of the Israelites back then or of us today, oh, kind of nonchalantly as a science look, scientist looking into his microscope. No, God isn't distant from our suffering. He feels our pain along with us. The baby who was born in the barn in Bethlehem, who came at Christmas, he came into our world and he's felt the pain, the suffering that you and I endure in this life. And oh, think about it, how ultimately he ended up feeling our pain as they were pounding those nails into his hands and his feet and, and pushing that crown of thorns into his head. And more significantly, as he felt the full wrath of God as he was paying for our sins. 
Well, when Isaiah says here, the angel of his presence saved them, it's not known for sure who this angel is. Is that an actual angel or, well, the Bible does talk about Jesus as being the angel of the Lord. Well, it's not known who this angel was. The name angel of the Lord, like I said, is a reference to Jesus in the Old Testament in particular. Well, we can't answer that question, but yet we can say God is distressed when you and I are distressed in this life. And when we're distressed, he does come to help us. He gives us the help and the strength that we may need. Maybe not always removing the problem or the trouble, but giving us the help and the strength to endure. And, and he'll do that on his own, or he'll send his angels to look out for us and take care of us. Well, Isaiah said, in his love and mercy, he redeemed them. The Lord redeemed us. And there's such a beautiful concept in that word, the Lord has redeemed us. And think about how God redeemed the Israelites from their slavery in Egypt, how he redeemed them from the Philistines and from other enemies. And, well, think of how God brought us back from the devil and made us a part of his believing family. He redeemed us. As Paul said in our epistle reading for today, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. And that picture of sons, we, we'd probably say children of God, but the sons back in those days, they were the legal heirs in the family. Well, the, Isaiah said, the Lord lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. This can remind us of the imagery that God used with the Israelites when he said, I carried you on eagles' wings. And the fact of the matter is that we can get tired and worn out and, and well, just down because of living in a sinful world. But our Lord like a mother eagle, gathers up her babies when they are tired from flight. That's God for us as well, carrying us on eagle's wings so that when we maybe would feel like giving up, with the Lord Jesus, we can soar. With the Lord Jesus, we can soar. Another of the kindnesses of our Lord. Oh, the Lord, he's like that old gentleman with the oil can, isn't he? But better, of course. Better, of course. He's always there for us. And he's always been there for his people. And he's especially there for us when he came into our world to be our Savior. In this Christmas season, and, and now with New Year's Day as well, Let's take the time to think about and appreciate all the kindnesses of our Lord. Like Mary, let's ponder all these things in our hearts and, and like the shepherds who 
saw the infant Jesus, the baby Jesus, let's praise and glorify God for all of the things that he has done and, and spread the news about Jesus the Savior. As members of God's believing family, we have in front of us another year of the kindnesses of the Lord. That's great news. We can look forward to the coming year because of the kindnesses of our Lord, especially because we have Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Christmas Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, who sent his Son to be my Savior. And I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, my Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, announced by the angels, worshipped by the shepherds, adored by the wise men, who lived to suffer, die, and rise again, to free me from all sin, from death, and from the power of the devil. I believe in the Holy Spirit who brought me to faith in my Savior and by whose continuous work in my heart I rejoice in my salvation, show forth his praises, and will one day live and reign with him in all eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, in mercy, you sent your one and only Son to take upon himself our human nature, by his gracious coming, deliver us from the corruption of our sin and transform us into the likeness of your glory. We pray through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And in our prayers, we continue to keep Don Janicki in our prayers, dealing still with a stroke and was back in the hospital because of possibly another mini stroke. We think of Paula Burris, who's, well, looking ahead at a couple of surgeries to try to open up some blood flow in her legs so that there can be healing of the infection that's there. And we think of all of the different people in our congregation with their different trials and troubles. We pray, Lord God, please keep on giving to all of us more and more of your grace and love and mercy. Keep on taking care of us. If it's according to your will, grant healing to those who are sick and ailing in any different way. But again, Please keep on giving us more of those wonderful kindnesses of our God. Physical blessings, we appreciate, we treasure them. Spiritual blessings, our Savior, His grace, His love. We especially treasure that. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus. And we gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. And we'll join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home sweet home. God bless America, my home sweet home. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. A couple announcements to share with you. Well, Monday's Elizabeth Webb's birthday. Friday is actually Epiphany Day. That's the 6th of January, the day that we think of, well, that we, on which we celebrate the worship of the wise men of the infant Jesus. Next Sunday, we'll be having an Epiphany Sunday. Add to our prayers, well, Diane Kennedy's sister-in-law, at the time of this recording, she is in the hospital uh, having some problems, still remains in hospice care, dealing with COVID herself. I told you about Don Janicki, told you about Paula Burris. Um, Paula's friend Marvel still remains in, in hospice care. But please keep all of them in your prayers and look at our prayer list for others that you can add to your prayers as well. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. The Lord bless and keep you always.